and welcome to another episode of Drama School Dropout, which is now part of the High Productions family. As per usual, I'm Ingram Noble and I am your Drama School Dropout. This week, I am joined by the star of the new Hallmark Channel rom-com, Fit for a Prince. Please help me welcome to the podcast, Rebecca LaMarche. Drama School Dropout, no graduation day for you. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so Honestly, excited to be here. Thank you so much for coming on and joining me on my little podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Podcasts are the new best thing. Honestly, what what else is there to do? I literally was sitting one night being like, I'm really bored. I miss the theatre. What can I do? And uh, I'm a massive fan of a podcast called Shagged, Married, Annoyed. It's based here in Britain and it's with Chris Ramsey and Rosie Ramsey. And I was like, you know what? I think I could do that. So I'm going to start a podcast. Wow. Good for you. That's really cool. And I literally, I just Googled. I was like, how to start a podcast. Was it helpful? Did you follow step by step? Or step, did you... by, step by step. <laughs> Awesome. Now I can do it all by myself. I don't need Google anymore. But I literally was like step by step, created the anchor account, set it all up, and then messaged everyone I knew. I was like, I'm starting a podcast, doing series one. Do you want to come and be a guest? We'll have a fun time. Oh, that's awesome! And I love the concept for yours. It's it's great. Well, I am a drama school dropout, so that like that mental breakdown that I had in January 2020 when I dropped out, that really provided now a brand for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, who would have guessed uh, 2020 would be such an iconic year? So you really you oh. decided to throw it all together. Honestly, it, I remember we're, we're hitting, we're about to hit a year since we officially went into lockdown in Britain. And I remember sitting thinking, my birthday is in April. And I always remember thinking, it's fine. I'll be able to go out for my birthday. <laughs> I'll be able to go out for a drink. Oh, I was shooting. Um, I was shooting a movie called Anything for Jackson. It was a, a horror we shot last year, and we wrapped principal photography. And all day during photography, everyone's phones were just dinging off, dinging off, dinging off, and everyone's jobs were being canceled. And we were lucky. Our our movie was wrapping that day, and I couldn't. Luckily, I kind of couldn't check my phone because um, I was getting full prosthetics put on my whole body. Yeah. <laughs> but you just hear ping, 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 and everyone would just emerge and start chattering, and no one could have guessed that it would be what this year turned into. Well, I was at university in January, 2020. I dropped out on the 13th. And I, I remember getting the train home from Edinburgh that day. And I was like, right, I'm going to let myself have a pity party for two or three weeks. Like, and then we're going to seriously get down. We're going to learn monologues. We're going to film them. We're going to make a mini show reel. And we're going to get that out to agents. And we're going to start like living like a professional actor's life. So I let myself have the pity party and then I like saw a random ad on Facebook for a radio drama. I auditioned for that. I booked it. And then two weeks later, we were in lockdown and everything was cancelled. And I was like, why? Did the job ever happen? It did. It happened in August when lockdown sort of eased. Good. So we were allowed like there was maybe like six or seven weeks where we were sort of not back to normal, but we were allowed out. So if it was a radio drama, did you do it from home with what's now your podcast set up or did you go no, in? No, we, we were in a studio um, and it was, it was really cool. We were all socially distanced. Everything, everything was 
totally done to like the correct standards but it was definitely it was really weird like i'm used to going into like a theater and like giving someone a hug or being like hi i'm ingram come here like give me a hug and it was like no two meters and that was the first time that i'd been sort of exposed to work covid wise yeah it's such a huge adjustment but then once you get going it kind of it kind of all goes away not the restrictions of course but i personally found that it was I thought it was going to be a way bigger deal than it was when it yeah. comes to filming and acting. But once you're in character and you're doing the work, it's it's easy to forget about today's reality. I kind of like the the personal space. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably the only actor who does, but um, I like the idea of it. Social distancing is going to like disappear and I'm going to be like, no, can we still stick to two meters, please? Thanks. <laughs> I don't know about, I don't know what it's like in Scotland, but here in Canada, when you go out, there's all these official government signs and they say how far to stay apart. But instead of just saying two meters, it keeps giving all these animal references. So it'll be please stay three Canadian geese apart in brackets, two meters, and they'll draw it out. Or it'll say, please say, I don't know how many hockey sticks. I think it's one hockey stick apart. I saw one that was, uh, I forget how many beavers. They're just so funny. That's, is that like a way of trying to make it like, oh, we're not in this grim, dark, depressing place. Like, oh, it's, it's two hockey sticks. I think it's like, I think one, we have a better like sense of reference for size based off Canada geese because they're everywhere so. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then two meters where I have to stop and think and two I think Canadians are just really silly so what I like to ask everyone in the beginning is um how did you get into acting and what was your first role so I got into acting um in high school, I was doing a lot of sports and I often had my time filled up between music and sports. And I had somehow hurt my back, nothing serious, nothing tragedy wise, but just enough to press pause on the sports for a bit while I strengthened it up. And so I had all this extra time on my hands and I decided to audition for a play. And I can't remember which one was first. It was either Cabaret or Blood Wedding by Garcia Lorca. And one, whichever one went first, I did that and I loved it. And so I've just started, um, started acting since then. Was it like, a, like, a, cause I know I always wanted to be a writer. And while I was in school, I did drama and things like that. And, uh, but English was where like my subject was at. Uh, was there like a eureka moment? Cause I know there was for me where I was like, actually, I think I'd be better on a stage pretending to be somebody else than like tell story like and tell stories a different way. No, <laughs> I am um, not for me. I feel like even to this day, there's so many jobs and careers that I could see myself doing and loving and thriving. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, wow, I wonder, should I really be doing this? And I think the funny thing is, it's the perfect fit for an actor because I'm always imagining myself in these, these different real life roles and think, oh my God, that'd be such a great fit. Eventually um, you will play those roles. <laughs> yeah. Only the difference is I'm thinking of them as careers. And, yeah. <laughs> and so um, to answer you, no, it wasn't a eureka moment of this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I had been taking drama in high school. I loved it, but I also loved science. I loved, I loved most most things that I studied. Um, I've always been very curious and imaginative. So I guess it kind of 
that's how it starts out for everyone. Did you have like a really great drama teacher? Because I, I know that's how it sort of started out for me and has continued apart from university. And even there, the, the teachers were great, but it's always been the teachers and the lecturers, especially like shout out to Leah, Yvonne and Mary at Glasgow Kelvin College. Um, They really still to this day inspire me to do like what I'm doing and like you say you can imagine yourself in lots of different other roles I can only imagine myself within the entertainment business which is like crazy interesting um so to answer your question again it wasn't any one teacher I was lucky for the most part always had great teachers great instructors I think it was just my love of film specifically film and my love of television even growing up I mean I'd be reading a book I'm a big reader and I'd be walking my dog and I'd be in character like going over the scenes talking to myself like a crazy person but in character going over the scenes or you know just come up with these hyperbolic drama ideas and just doing them by myself and so I think that I just always loved it but it really took me a while to embrace the idea of it going full in as a career because for a while I wanted to be a surgeon and I wanted to be a vet and then I, I did journalism for a while and I was all over the place. <laughs> it's so difficult to imagine it as a career as well because especially like for me when I was in like uh, acting school and things like that it's just so competitive and you're like okay so there's 30 of us in this class and we're all fighting for the one role. What happens when we go into the real world and there's 500 of us all fighting for the one role so it's really difficult to sort of imagine that as like a, a plausible financial gaining career oh definitely and i think to be honest with you i don't think i really appreciated truly how competitive it is until i started working on the business side of film because now i actually see the numbers and i actually see how many people are put out for every single like a one-line role you you are so lucky when you book a one-line role it's wild let alone a big role in in any scale of a production so i think that sense that first shock you get let's say in theater school when you realize how competitive it is it's really just the tip of the iceberg and 100%. Oh, 100%. So I, like you said there about being on the other side of it, I just, um, I write plays too. So I co-wrote a play over lockdown with one of my best friends and we decided we wanted to do an online rehearsed reading of it so we could charge for tickets and raise money to eventually book a theatre and put it on stage. So we were like, right, well, none of us are going to be in it. We're going to do the tech side of things and bring people on and off screen, but we're going to cast it. And we were just putting on Facebook groups, like nothing professional professional nothing serious because at the end of the day we had a budget of zero pounds um mm -hmm. which is the norm and i think we ended up with like nearly two thousand actors wanting to be in our thing and it got to the point where we literally were like we can't sit and go through all of these we'll be here till next week so it was literally like we're looking at headshots and being like she kind of looks like a ronda she doesn't oh so that's a no <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it was literally, and I felt so terrible because I was like, I want to, I want to be able to say to them, like, I want to give them more feedback than literally you just don't look like what's in our head. Yeah, it's, it's wild. It's wild. But it gives you a real appreciation for when you do book work or even when you're auditioning. I think that not being jaded and really recognizing how lucky you are for every single part is so important in the journey. Otherwise you'll, you'll just get lost in it. 
think I realised as well that because I was like, I want this to be over. I just want a cast. So I was looking every single tape that I watched. I was like, please be perfect. Like I wanted those people to do well, more than likely, more than they did. <laughs> yeah, it's um, that's such a valuable thing to remember too. I, I agree with you. I think casting's always cheering you on and it's a really empowering thought if you can remember that before any kind of audition. Now, I mean, it's daunting. It's like so easy to say, just remember casting wants you to do great. <laughs> it's true they really do like I was just at the end I was like please be good because I want to go to bed that's that's great when I'm um it's so funny because when I'm casting I always do the first round uh via tapes I feel like you can see the most amount of people really get a sense of really get a sense of if they're the right fit how interested you are and any of my colleagues, they always, they, they joke, they know when I'm casting because they hear me and I'll be like, yes, I'm fully cheering people along. I'm laughing. I'll be gasping. It's ridiculous. But fully invested. So invested, that's it. And you just want people to blow you away. And really, truly, sometimes they do. And that's really exciting. Exciting. That's the special moment, isn't it? We had we had somebody, uh, Lynn Whitaker, an actress, come in. Well, not come in, send her stuff in, and we literally saw her headshot and went, "That's Sylvia. That that's her." And then we sat for like three days waiting on uh, Lynn sending in a tape, being like, "Please, please, 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 please be good. Please like." And if she was great, but it's like it's so weird how like as somebody who's casting and isn't going to be on stage and doesn't have to worry about having chemistry with someone and things how just seeing someone's photo and then being completely blown away like how rewarding is that like being like yeah i found you it's amazing and i think um i think you and i being actors we have such an added excitement for it because you know what that means to someone and i'm not saying that casting directors who don't act don't have that i mean yeah they're you know they're professionals they love what they do but i think when you're an actor you know what it means to that other person and when you find that person that you want to champion it's really rewarding we know what it's like to be on the other end of the the phone call yeah exactly i'd also like to just point out that i am in no way a professional casting person or anything because people are going to be like listening to this and then text me being like oh you really made yourself sound something that you're not there like i cast a rehearsed reading of my play like i i'm a hundred percent not sat here with printed out headshots and things i was like please please be good i don't know what i'm doing as much <laughs> as the next person your zoom background is actually there to cover the wall of faces of all the yeah. actors you plan to see <laughs> and then the ones that were really terrible they have knives in them oh my god <laughs> just kidding just <laughs> kidding an axe, a knife no i hope no one answers your casting call because it's not safe <laughs> yeah um well we've cast it we've done it we've done the rehearsed reading it went very well and thank you to everyone that bought a ticket because i know some of the listeners did and uh, we're going to be putting it on stage hopefully in 2022 so that's exciting obviously would be a lot quicker if we weren't all grounded. So am I right in, uh, while I was doing my research, or as I like to call it, legal stalking, um, I, I ran across that you attended Dalhousie University. I may have completely just butchered the pronunciation of that um, university, but what was it you studied? Did you study within the industry? So first of all, you crushed it. It is called Dalhousie University. Here for it. Congratulations. Um, so I went to two universities at the same time. I went to the University of King's College, which is in Halifax, and I went to Dalhousie University, 
You're both in Halifax, which is in Nova Scotia, the east coast of Canada. And in that city, they have something, I think there are five universities and the city did a really clever thing where all the universities are connected. So you have to be accepted by them, but you can cross programs and schools. Well, that's cool. So I kind of took that to the, the, I kind of beefed it up a bit, took it to the next level and I majored at two majors, one at each school. So at University of King's College, I did an honors in journalism. And then at Dalhousie, I did theater. I started in their acting conservatory. And then before my last year, I dropped out of the acting conservatory, switched over to theater studies, um, just to better manage, better balance and to graduate on time. So technically, this is the first time that this has happened. But technically, both of us are drama school dropouts. This I has never it. happened before. I think this is like a special shout out episode. I think this is what the episode Double Drama School Dropout found the episode title. Yes, I'm so excited. And I brought <laughs> in honor of a uh, of this podcast, I brought my mug from Dalhousie and New Kings and it is a Shakespeare mug. Love and I that. bought it the year I dropped out. Representing and <laughs> Shakespeare is one of my favorite genres of theater actually. I love Shakespeare and I like I wish while I was at university the lecturer who taught Shakespeare to us, I didn't like, she didn't like me, very obvious. And it was such a shame because Shakespeare is something that if I had the opportunity, I'd probably love to study further. Like we can't, we don't necessarily major and minor in the UK. So like when I went to uni, I went to two different universities, but both the same course. They were just like, you went to X, I'm not going to say their names because I don't want to get sued. Um, You went to X, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you went to Y, Thursday, Friday. And like the lecturers were cool. um, And like we just got taught different subjects. But it didn't work out, as I've said on this podcast a million times. But it it sort of, for maybe six months, really, I didn't want to look at a Shakespeare play ever again. And I, I like there was a point where I didn't ever want to get on stage again. And like, it was such a shame that I... Uni gave me, like, I just didn't get what I wanted from uni, which was, like, the top and bottom of it. But it sort of messed a lot of, like, my confidence up and things. Like, I'm totally, I'm still a year and a half later, not the person I was before I dropped out, which is fun. (laughs) Well, I think that's actually something so pervasive, whether it's uni or not. A lot of acting training programs a lot of them, not intentionally, I truly believe not intentionally, but I think a lot of them chop away the confidence of an actor and can really instill some, some real complexes, problems, challenges that can take years to overcome. I mean, I haven't had a chance to get on a stage and see if I have those complexes still yet. So I guess we'll find that out hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully this, uh, this kind of gap year has been enough to cleanse you of it. Hopefully. Hopefully I can get like to next year, theatres are open and I can be like, you know what, I'm going to do this because this is a finger to the university. Like this is the fingers up. Um, Or even more so just, I mean, it's just for you, you're fearlessly 
pursuing your dreams and your yeah. career because that was that was something that i noticed and i don't know whether it's true of like all people in drama school so i my main issue was i never liked the fact that we were being graded and my performance had to be judged by somebody and they had to feel that i hit certain boxes on a piece of paper so that i just i've never vibed with and and i, I don't like it still and i i think because what i like in my performance you might not like and it's something in your performance you might love but i might be like mm, that didn't work for me so much and i think with uni and things i actually we got to record our lectures and our meetings with the lecturers and i i came across them not long ago and i listened and i was very apologetic in them and when they were saying things to me i would be like yeah i i feel like i should have done this differently and i get what you're saying and i wish i could now go back and be like no i've done a good job just because it doesn't hit the boxes on your little piece of paper that you got to take that doesn't mean you're allowed to sit and make me feel like shit well and so perfectly said one you should never be felt you should never be made to feel like you've done a horrible job or you're a bad artist and two the wild thing is you are being put into a box, you're being graded in these boxes, but truly the way careers are made, the way roles are booked, the way people jump out and become iconic is by not fitting in the box and creating a yeah. new one. That's what makes someone different. So it's a, it's a dangerous complex. I believe like the drama schools sort of need to change. And I'm very aware that this is a very small podcast and I'm not going to make huge waves. But one of my lecturers right before an assessment told me, you know, after this, you should possibly look into pursuing a different career because I don't think this is going to work for you. And I was like, I'm about to go on stage in five minutes. <gasps> How dare they? I was like, you've beat me up all yet hands up i've not been the best student but i've put what i can in and like i already feel like hella shit and then you say that to me five minutes before i'm about to do this big assessment i was like no that's awful and, and yet you hear that often 100 percent. like and it, it was crazy that they didn't think they were doing anything wrong yeah well i think you see that a lot too right where where they truly believe their opinion is an authority within the industry and are these these authorities air quotes are they even working do they work actively in the industry? No. <laughs> I was like, I was sat there in my like last ever meeting with them. And I was like, I'm not being funny. You're a lecturer. Props to you for like teaching people and passing on like the word of wisdom or whatever it is you do. But at the end of the day, I'm paying your bills. You're not paying mine because I'm paying tuition, which is paying your wages, which is paying your rent. Like I was like, I'm out. I, 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 I like walked out and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like it was the right decision for you and every, every person's different. Now I am uh, the host of a podcast, which is number 65 in the performing arts uh, podcast charts in the UK. That's amazing. So we make moves. We make moves. And uh, the cool thing with podcasts are they're listened to around the world. Honestly, like I, I got an email not long ago because I actively made the decision that with podcasts, they're so different to YouTube. And like when you put a YouTube video up, the, the little view counters at the bottom and you can always, you're always reminded of how many followers you have, how many views you've got. I actually have to go looking for like my watch count. Um, so I made the decision that I just wasn't gonna look because if they were low, I'd lose like, I'd lose interest. 
and I'm really enjoying doing this and I'm getting to connect with different people in the industry all around the world. Um, so I'd lose interest if they were low. So I didn't like look and if they were good, it might inflate my ego. So I was like, let's not. So I got, <laughs> and it was like telling me where I'd charted and I'd charted 65 in the UK and 104 in France. Oh, wow. And France, like if, if I was expecting anything, it would be America because just so many people and they'll listen to anything, even if it is me talking absolute rubbish. But in a country like France, where their first language isn't English, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, that is really cool. cool. I was like, really cool. I was like kind of famous in France now, I guess. This is the the early stages of the podcast. I started this podcast in December. Well, you're already a United Kingdom and European sensation. I'm so famous like honestly <laughs> like there's gonna be a point where I just won't be able to step outside my front door and I'm so ready for it yeah, yeah true I'm picturing not step outside your front door but the hilarious thing is it's it's audio it's a, it's a <laughs> podcast so you just can't speak you can will, go everywhere but you can't speak I mean my face is on the podcast art so maybe really? I, I maybe I'm like now I need to hire a bodyguard is what I'm thinking I think you're right because you know like that's just the price of fame <laughs> Honestly, I really hope people can tell I'm joking because that was so conceited. <laughs> no, just edit that that uh, that disclaimer out, and we'll we'll see. We'll take a poll. I'll um, I'll continually message you all of the texts that I get from my friends telling me that I'm an asshole. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> <Please> you. <do. laughs> so, um, talking about like um, your career and things, you were talking about the film uh, Anything for Jackson, and uh, you're in a new Hallmark Channel movie, which comes out, I believe, in three days yes it's this saturday uh, march 6th so is this the point prime time. <laughs> <laughs> is this the point where you're like oh fuck everyone's gonna see it um no the complete opposite it's like yes i'm so excited to share this movie we had the most fun shooting it it was beautiful beautiful movie i think it's gonna make people feel really good i hope people really like it it's uplifting it's charming um, I'm excited to share it. I'm excited and I'm proud of the work we did together. We don't have the Hallmark channel in the UK, but I will definitely have to find a way to watch forward slash bootleg um, a copy. <laughs> well, I'm sure it'll get some sort of release in the UK. A lot of the times I've noticed these end up on Sky Channel. Don't um, have Sky. <laughs> okay, <well>. Netflix. <laughs> Netflix, please buy Fit for a Prince. Yes. I, I, I have a Netflix okay. subscription. <laughs> no you borrow one don't you <laughs> no i genuinely i pay for netflix and i pay for disney plus and my friends leech it off me oh there you go okay good for you that's like my one claim to like adulthood is i've never had somebody else's netflix login whoa i uh i will uh decline to <laughs> I, I don't know why because lots of my friends do and i don't know why i've never just said to my friends why don't we just chip in and like have a netflix account and pay half each but no i've i've had a netflix account since i was like 16 and i've always paid for it myself nice good for you i don't give anyone the login though <laughs> <laughs> so you're further supporting the industry by making true okay. i'm not gonna lie i, I give some friends it <laughs> um, but yeah buy your own netflix subscription support the industry um, so what was it like filming for, for a prince? Where were you on like spectacular locations? Because it's all about like chateaus and castles and all that jazz. Well, 
my God, way to set me up because the location was Ottawa's iconic Chateau Laurier. It is stunning. It's a beautiful hotel. It looks like a castle. It's set right on um, the Ottawa River and the Rideau Canal cuts along it. It's gorgeous and hilariously, it plays my home in the movie. Honestly, we're just, manifest, we're just manifesting that that will be your home. I think so. So there's these grand lobbies. There's quite literally a ballroom. Like the ballroom's almost like Sound of Music, the ballroom. It's it's gorgeous. So can uh, we expect like a lot of very aesthetically pleasing and scenic Instagram photos in the coming days? Absolutely. But even more so in the movie, it's just one of the prettiest uh, TV movies I've ever seen. It's so pretty. The locations are gorgeous and the film is largely focused on fashion. So all that. of our outfits are amazing. <laughs> I'm currently re-watching Ugly Betty on Disney Plus because it's just um, uh, relaunched um, and I'm, I'm like loving like fashion and all that just now. So I'm like, oh, I might watch this. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, it's it's beautiful. And a fun fact, and I don't know if this is something we're supposed to share or not, but, you know, you're getting the exclusive scoop. Exclusive. <laughs> what was that sound effect? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a local Ottawa designer who had come on and they were going to provide these iconic, be these beautiful, beautiful dresses and gowns for the movie. And I think it was two weeks or less before the movie, there was a kerfuffle, there was a, sh a snafu, and and the designer was no longer providing the, the dresses. So our yes, amazing uh... costume designer, Sarah A. Carroll, she managed to pull all these gorgeous looks in no time whatsoever, and everyone looks fantastic. And their character, and it's, you know, the, the wardrobe's character driven, and she nailed it. Oh, I'm definitely going to have to find this online. Yeah, for sure. I'll find it. And then and then I'll make a donation to Hallmark. Yeah. yeah I won't definitely. just steal it online. I will pay for it. <laughs> but we're coming to the end now. And I always like to play a game with all of my guests that come on. And it is called Stage Right or Stage Shite. You might not have heard of the word shite. It just, it's shit. It's a Scottish version of shit. <laughs> um, so basically I'm going to tell you three crazy theatre stories uh, Two of them are the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth And okay. one of them is stage shite, which is a lie And it's your job to guess which one is the lie Okay, I'm ready So number one One time I was eating food before a show And I couldn't help my castmate look for her costume which she had lost I was super hungry but offered to help her look after I'd had food She told me not to choke on my food and I didn't, but I did choke on the non-alcoholic beer I had to chug at the end of the show. Number two, I accidentally spilt ketchup on my costume and ruined it. I told my director I left it in a bag on the bus by accident and I cost our amateur dramatic society 90 pounds, which is quite <laughs> an expensive costume for an amateur dramatic society. Uh, <laughs> And number three, my drama teacher in secondary school decided he needed to demonstrate a physical theatre unit. He pretended to be a dog and pretended to pee on chair legs and drank out of a pre-prepared bowl of water. We were 15 and it was weird. <laughs> okay, so um, the ketchup story, I suspect is stage right. Okay. The... Um, the drama teacher in high school with the, the dog bowl 
yeah. will also say stage right. Uh-huh. And the chugging non-alcoholic beer, I will say is stage shite because I suspect in drama school, you would have, you would have sneakily subbed in real beer. So for- we're going with stage shite for the beer. Yes. So normally I don't know this, but I know this this time because I was witness to one of them. <laughs> normally it's my friend that does it and then sends them all over to me. And I, I can actually tell you that I witnessed my friend being told not to choke. <laughs> and it was true. Um, it was, and it was a non-alcoholic beer, but for the last show, they snuck in a real beer. There we go. But your logic was kind of correct. But I, yeah, um, one of my friends, she um, was eating and somebody else in the show was like, can you come and help me look for my costume? And my friend was like, no, I'm eating, but I will in like five minutes. And she was like, don't choke. And we were like, oh, the drama. Oh, man. It's like saying Macbeth. Yeah, well, let's not talk about that because um, as everyone listens to the podcast will know I played Macbeth and while we were doing Macbeth, we sort of just said it openly and I nearly broke my ankle. One of the witches broke her ankle and our sound manager fell down a flight of stairs. What? All within the space of one day. That's insane. So the curse is real. The curse is well, I mean, I guess especially in Scotland. Yeah, we were doing it in like the middle of Glasgow uh, and we were just casually being like, Macbeth, Macbeth, we're doing Macbeth. <laughs> then we all really got hurt. And then during the rehearsals, we were choreographing a fight and I, I was playing Macbeth and uh, we had to do a stage headbutt and I just didn't move out the way in time. Oh no. And like just blood came pouring out. And I was like, why couldn't this have actually happened on the show? Because it would look great. <laughs> Such an actor thing to say. Everything. But then after that, I was also really scared to do the stage headbutt every single time. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I was like, nope, can we take this out? And my lecturer was like, no. <laughs> We're gonna... sweating before the, the headbutt every time. I'm like, that was the one part of the fight that didn't look real. Because I was just anticipating it. I was like, I don't want to get a headbutt again. Well, if you were to get any story out of drama school before dropping out, that would be the classic Macbeth story. So <laughs> we've come to the end now of the podcast. So I'll let you get back to normal life. Uh, I won't keep you for too much longer. Um, where can we find you all on social media? So I'm most likely found on Instagram. My handle is at Rebecca Lamarche. Keep it nice and simple for you. All in the description too. All in the description. And uh, that's it. And I love connecting with everyone. Yes. And as per usual, you can always find me at Ingram Noble, exactly the same, just my name on all social media. And just another reminder that Fit for a Prince is out on the 6th of March on the Hallmark Channel. What time are we going for again? 9pm Eastern Standard. So anybody that doesn't live in the UK and can actually watch it, please go watch it because I'm pretty sure that it will be amazing and I will be finding a bootleg of it somewhere and I'll talk all about it. Uh, But if Hallmark are listening, I will be paying for it. (laughs) Yeah, you'll find our sequel. Yes, 100%. And um, I, I would like to be in it. Yeah, well, we'll need another prince, so there you go. I'm here. I'm here. I'm ready. Schedule's <laughs> wide open. So anybody listening, also, my schedule is wide open. So if you need an actor, hit me up. Is your schedule open? Can we get you jobs? Yes, we can get me jobs. Yep, so all contact us all. Contact us all. We'll get it all done. And hopefully one day we can meet that isn't through a computer screen it's been so lovely chatting to you rebecca and thank you so much for coming on and being part of drama school dropout
Thank you. So happy to be here. And I'm so glad we got to connect. Yes. Thank you so much. And have a lovely rest of your evening. You too. Catch you soon. Bye. Bye. And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout done. As per usual, this has been episode 17, and I've been chatting with the wonderful Rebecca Lamarche. As per usual, follow us all on social media, and if you're feeling extra generous, scroll down and give us a little rating and review, because that's all the good stuff. And as per usual, all the good stuff that we've mentioned in this episode will be down in the description box below. And make sure to come back next week, because... This is the first episode in April and we are doubling up portions of Drama School Dropout. So we've got episodes every Tuesday at 12 noon and we're adding Friday at 5pm because it's my birthday month and I want to celebrate the proper way. So come back on Tuesday for episode 18 with one of my favourite actresses from one of my favourite TV shows, Orange is the New Black. I'll be chatting with Finity Steves. Thank you so much for listening, guys. It always means the world and I will see you again soon. Drama school dropout, no graduation day for you. Drama school dropout, thought your whole course, now try something new. Drama school dropout.